Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Cornerstone College Ministries podcast. My name is Blake Brown, and you're about to listen to our midweek Bible study for the fall 2022 semester. Uh, This semester, we're covering prophecies that are fulfilled by Christ, looking at Old Testament passages about the Messiah, and then seeing where and how Christ fulfills them in the New Testament, and what that means for us today. I hope you enjoy as we study God's perfect word. Prophecies fulfilled. And we're going to look at different prophecies that Christ fulfilled. So we'll be looking at Old Testament and the New Testament because that's where the prophecies are and where they're fulfilled at. Um, The reason we're going over this, I think it's important to know why Christ is the long-awaited Messiah. So now we're going over Christ's birth again. We did it last week, but we didn't get into the rest of the prophecies that he fulfilled just by being born, being who he is. right? And so we're looking at, um, this is the part two, this will be the the last part of his birth. Um, And... We're looking at the seed of David, who was born in Bethlehem. So we've got two factors of his birth tonight. Um, his location of where he was born and the person who gave birth to him, right? his lineage. Um, both of those things were prophesied about, and both those things are important about the Messiah, about the Savior. Uh, last week, what was the big point we looked at as far as Christ's birth? Virgin birth, right? How that was prophesied in Scripture, and then how it was happened how it happened right <laughs> um, and so that was uh, it came to fruition right? it was fulfilled there you go um, so let's look at the location of Christ's birth so we're going to start actually this time in the New Testament so turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 Luke chapter 2 Luke shows us um, that Jesus as is a man right Matthew shows him as king Mark shows him as a servant uh, John shows him as God but Luke shows him as man uh, that's why we see most about Christ's life and Christ's birth um, before ministry in Luke. Um, so the, the Christmas story you always hear uh, normally comes from Luke. People talk about it and such. Um, so we're in Luke chapter 2, the first seven verses that we're going to look at. Uh, hopefully you're there. It says this, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Probably all heard this before. Um, we all know about the birth of Jesus, even if it's from the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Right? Uh, you've probably heard at least this um, kind of story played out before. Um, notice, where did, what's his name, um, Joseph get up and go from when he went to Bethlehem? Nazareth, right? He was in Nazareth. Um, here's a bonus prophecy fulfilled. Um, it says the Messiah is going to be called a Nazarene, right? Grew up in Nazareth, right? He was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth, where his immediate family was from. I guess immediate family, like, is God the immediate family? We're not going to go into that. Um, anyways, but where Joseph and Mary were from, where they resided. Um, so there was this huge decree for a census, and everyone had to go to their, like, ancestors' cities. And so Joseph and Mary were both descendants of David, so they went to Bethlehem. He was born in a manger, right? That's where Christ was born. Wrong. Right? He was placed in a manger. 
I grew up my whole little kid life thinking that a manger was the barn, right? It's the feeding trough that the manger is. I thought I was like, oh yeah, he's in a manger right there. No, that's not that wasn't the manger. Anyways, it's the feeding trough who's who's born who's placed in um, after he was born. But if you think about it, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was born in a barn and placed in a feeding trough. That's not what you might expect when God takes on flesh, right? Had he been born in a castle in this huge kingdom, um, it still would have been less of a birth than he deserved, right? As God becoming man, becoming flesh. Um, but he was born in Bethlehem so he could fulfill the prophecy about the Messiah. So look at Micah 5 2. Hopefully you can read this. Uh, 5 2 through 5. It says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephathra, uh, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. He will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. So whatever it's saying here, it's pretty clear that some eternal one, his days are from eternity past, will come out of Bethlehem, and he will shepherd his people, his sheep, and he will rule over the world in Israel. Right? His name will be great. Um, and he will rule over the world in Israel. It's hard to deny this is not talking about the long-awaited Messiah. Right? It's talking about the Messiah, ultimately. Um, he is our peace, it says. Okay, so he was born in Bethlehem, right? So it was prophesied about in Micah, and then it happened. Cool. But why was he born in Bethlehem again? The city of David. city of David, yeah. But why were they in the city of David? Yeah, all the census, right? Had his big census, so he was brought back. Census for taxes eventually, right? Because, um, you know, Caesar. Um, but, uh, so he went back to Bethlehem, the city of David, because he was a descendant of David, is why they, he was born in Bethlehem. So it's still a prophecy that was fulfilled there, but also there's more to it than that. Um, so by engagement, because um, engagement was like a lot more of a legal thing than it is now, right? It's not like. Uh, if I proposed to Rachel, and then I was like, uh, just kidding, I take the ring back, right? Um, and then just let go. Well, then, what paperwork has to be done? <laughs> Maybe, uh, what's it called? Like a stay away from me this far, like a restraint, <laughs> restraining order, right? Maybe. But, um, but no, like, legal documents have to be filled out because of that. Back then, engagement was like a legally binding thing. And you had to get divorced if you were engaged, and then you didn't get married. Right? And you decided not to and stuff. So um, she now was a descendant of David like her husband. But by engagement, she was also, because he was also a descendant of David. He was there. Um, but we see something interesting. In Matthew and Luke, Jesus' grandfathers are different, right? which is interesting. So in Matthew, you see up here, it's joke. Well, you do not see because it just disappeared on the screen. Anyways, in Matthew one sixteen. Matthew's genealogy, genealogy likely follows Joseph's lineage. Uh, so Matthew 1.16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. And Luke, right, um, it says that uh, it likely follows Mary's lineage. So it says when he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Eli. So notice here, Matthew goes from 
Um, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, right? So Jacob was obviously the father of Joseph. But then Luke goes from the supposed son of Joseph, the son of Eli. And so what I'm talking about, the actual father of Joseph, what I was talking about, well, Christ was supposed the father of Joseph. Right? People were like, you know, Mary and Joseph are engaged. Mary's pregnant. Hmm. Right? <laughs> that was a supposed thing, right? But we know there was a virgin birth. We looked at that. Um, we looked at that last week. And so um, we see here that uh, this Mary is probably what Luke's talking about. And then Matthew is talking about Joseph's lineage, right? Going back. So either way, though, we see both genealogies go back through Zerubbabel. If you're familiar with that, right? That's from our um, Ezra Nehemiah study that we're doing. The Nehemiah study, but Zerubbabel came back to rebuild the temple. Going over that on Sundays. But, you know, so he came back to rebuild the temple. Nehemiah's building the wall. And so, uh, of Jerusalem. So he would go back to Zerubbabel and then David and then all the way back to Abraham. Um, with their genealogies. If you look in Matthew 1 and Luke 3, you see the lineages. So let's start with Abraham, right? Good old Abraham. Father Abraham had how many sons? Many, right? Many sons had Father Abraham. Um, so Abraham was promised by God that he would get three things. Anyone know what those three things are? Oh, I saw like all throughout. Right? Land, seed, and blessing that he was promised by God to get. Um, there's actually a specific, well, there's actually a few times God promises this to Abraham. Um, you have uh, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 22. Um, kind of reiterates this a number of times because Abraham kind of isn't the best person to follow and believe God whenever things he says he's going to do things. But anyways, whole other story, another time. Um, in Genesis 22, a specific time that God promises these things to Abraham. In fact, he went a little further this time because Abraham had obeyed him. So here's what it says. Hopefully you can read this. Genesis 22, 15 through 18. It says, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens, and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Okay, what's going on here, right? What do you mean withheld? You have not withheld your son. What happened? God commanded Abraham to offer his one and only son to himself as an offering. And yeah. Abraham was did not withhold him. Yep. And so his son died. Right? Nope. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, so Abraham, um, God was like, hey, Abraham, I know I told you I'd, I'd give you all this land, seed, and blessing. I'd go through this one son, Isaac, right? Uh, kill him. Abraham was like, uh, okay, uh, I guess I'll do that. And so he went up, and he was about, he had the knife up and ready to, to, to kill Isaac. And then he was like, no, wait. Right? Um, and then there was a ram instead caught in the thickets for him to sacrifice instead um, to God. But God was like, hey, you haven't even withheld your own son from me. So because of this, I'm going to do all these things. So we read this and we think, cool, God's saying that Abraham's descendants will bless the whole earth. Nice. right? Good. Good job, right? Um, good job, Abraham. And good job, descendants of Abraham. They're going to bless the whole earth. But we also don't know Hebrew, right? You know who does? The Apostle Paul, 
right? Apostle Paul does. So what he says about this passage. In Galatians 3.16, he says, Now the promises are spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is, Christ. Right? So in the Hebrew, this is an individual word of the descendant, basically, the seed of Abraham that he has here. If you look back in Genesis, when he talks about this seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. It's a singular seed. Right? That's what he's saying in Galatians 3.16. Turns out, it's not talking about all of Abraham's descendants, but rather a particular descendant, Christ, through whom the entire world was blessed at what point? The cross, right? When he died to pay for sins. We know in 1 John 2, 2, it says that Christ is a satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world says. Um, so when we place our faith in him, we receive that free gift that he paid for of eternal life. Whenever we place our faith in him, that is one heckin' blessing, right? Wouldn't you say? That came through Abraham's descendant, right? His seed, Jesus Christ. So Christ being descendant of Abraham was promised and prophesied about back in Genesis 22, about blessing the entire world whenever he died to pay for the entire world's sins. Next we have the descendant of David. All right, this is given in 2 Samuel 7. It is known as the Davidic Covenant. When anyone mentions the Davidic Covenant, you should automatically think of 2 Samuel 7. It's alliteration, same starting sound. So you can remember this, right? So here's going to happen. I'm going to say Davidic Covenant, and you're going to say 2 Samuel 7, all right? <laughs> Davidic Covenant. 2 Samuel 7. You are slow, right? Davidic Covenant. Davidic Covenant. Davidic Covenant. Second Samuel 7. Oh, yikes. Right, okay. Um, okay, hopefully now you remember that. It's ingrained in your brain. Um, you're always going to say it really fast whenever you say it now. Um, so David said, here's what's happening in Second Samuel 7. Uh, hopefully you're there. It's towards the beginning of your Bible, uh, for Second Kings, for Second Samuel, or for Second Samuel, for Second Kings. It's around that area. You'll find Second Samuel. Um, what's happening is God, David says, God... I'm going to build you a temple. I'm in a really nice house. You're in a tent. I'm going to do it. And then God basically says, who asked? Right? He's like, I didn't ask you to build me a temple. Right? I would have asked you if I wanted you to build me a temple. I didn't ask you to build a temple. Um, but God says he'll, he's still going to bless David, though. So look at 2 Samuel. What chapter? 7. Verse 9. Right? It says this, I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. I will make you a great name like the names of the great men who were on earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them. They may live in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them as any more as formerly, even from the day I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. Your days are complete, and you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be like a father to him, and he will be like a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. For my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, and your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So we see a little differences happening here, right? 
It's like, oh, it's about Jesus. And it's like, when he commits iniquity. And they're like, I don't think that's Jesus. All right. Um, one is about David's son. Another one is about David's descendant. All right. Solomon is David's son who rules after him. What does Solomon build? The greatest empire ever. And a temple, right? Um, Solomon was... Uh, uh, Blessed by God beyond measure, right? So he built a temple, and God gives Solomon what Solomon asks for and more. Solomon ends up building the temple for God. But then you have some other stuff sprinkled throughout here, right? His kingdom shall be established forever is in there a couple times. Now, where is Solomon? <laughs> dead, right? <laughs> Solomon is dead right now in this 2022 of 80. All right, he's dead. So um, he stayed dead as well. But what happened to the descendant of David, Christ? He died, right? Did he say dead? Did it take? He responded. No, right? <laughs> it did not stick, so to speak, right? So it didn't stay with him that way with him. He died, but he rose again three days later. Um, so what we see here is that there's like a near and a far fulfillment of this prophecy that we see in Second Samuel 7. And that is that Solomon is going to build a house. Solomon is going to be blessed by God. But also, David's throne is going to be established forever. And his descendant will rule forever. Right? And Solomon can't fulfill that. None of the other descendants can fulfill that except for Christ. Right? Christ rose from the dead. He's able to fulfill that role forever. Um, here's what it says in Luke 1, 26-33. Um, now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent, we read this last week, was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Who's the virgin? Mary. Oh, it says that like the next verse. Um, a sense of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Here we see twice in this passage that Christ is the son of David. So we know that he's going to return and that he will reign forever as the son of David. So prophecies we're not going to look at today. We're looking at his genealogy today. So... Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in David's city, and he was both a descendant of Abraham and of David. So what? What's the big deal? Well, there are three things that we have here. First of all, Jesus is the blessing to the world that was promised to Abraham. Right? He said, your seed will be a blessing to the entire world, and Christ is that blessing. Secondly, Christ is the rightful king of kings to rule all mankind because he's David's descendant. Because it's prophesied about that David's descendant would be the one to rule forever. And then third is something that we're going to see all throughout this entire semester of these prophecies fulfilled. God is faithful about his promises. We saw a general seed of woman in Genesis 3.15, right? Um, the seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent and the serpent will bruise his heel. And so that um, is a pretty broad field. Who all comes from Adam and Eve? Raise your hand. Okay. Some of you didn't raise your hand. So. Uh, that's fine. Um, right? Everyone comes from Adam and Eve. And then, so it's, it's everyone on earth could have been the guy, right? Uh, then we get seed of Abraham. Well, that narrows it down quite a bit, right? 
Now you have one person, all the other people who were making babies, right? None of them are going to be this seed um, that blesses the entire world. The seed of Abraham, so it narrows it down. And later on, we get descendant of David, which narrows it down a whole bunch more, right? It narrows down so far that with the birth and the timeline given and the virgin birth and the sign that was given, we'll talk about the timeline in another lesson coming up, um, that Jesus perfectly fits the messianic properties, the, pro the prophecies about the Messiah. So if God is faithful in these promises, then should we we should take him at the promises he's given us. What uh, what sort of things has he promised us? Eternal life. How about eternal life? That's a pretty big one, right? Also, a lot of other things he's promised us, right? Read your Bible. We'll see what they are. Um, but what we have here, Titus 1, 1 and 2 says, Paul, a bondservant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth which is according to godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Right? So we have here that God, who cannot lie, promised this eternal life long ago right, to us. Now, Christ is uniquely qualified to give us eternal life because of his ancestor, Abraham. He was the blessing to the entire world. Also, he's uniquely qualified to be our Lord, to be the King of Kings, because of his ancestor, David. Right? So because of those two things being fulfilled, he's able to fill the prophecy of being the Messiah. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we treating him as Lord? If he's the King of Kings... Lord of all the universe and everything. Um, many people will say that they made Jesus Lord of their life when they're talking about when they're saved. Right? You've probably heard that before. Um, like I made him Lord of my life. Uh, but making Jesus Lord of your life, what does that mean you have to do? If someone's a Lord of your life, right? What do you have to do? All that they say, right? right? If it's like, okay, um, say, um, I don't even, I can't make an, think of an example, right? If someone's like, hey, they're the Lord, they're the king, they're the ruler of my life. I have to follow everything they do. Right? But do you have to follow everything in the Bible to be saved? No. Right? no right? That'd be impossible. Was to have our faith in Christ. So if we make um, him Lord of our life, it has nothing to do with our salvation. If we had to make him Lord of our lives, meaning follow all he tells us to do, then we would never be saved. We can't follow every single command. Try the Ten Commandments, right? Never envy anyone else? Well, that's it, right? Never lie? Well, that's never going to happen, right? How about love your neighbor as yourself? Right? That one commandment, it's like, oh, I'm not going to heaven. Right? Um, instead, it's a free gift to receive through faith in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves, right? Not of making more of our life and me trying to do these things. Not of myself. It's a gift of God, not of works so that no one may boast. It was by works people could boast. It's a free gift we receive through faith in Christ. But as believers, we should uh, follow Christ as our personal Lord. Should we not? We should try to do all the things He's commanded us to do. So we want to follow Him as our Lord and the ruler of our lives. So how are we doing on that front if we're a believer? Are there certain areas of our lives that are in shambles? Right? He's uniquely qualified to be the Lord, to be the King of Kings. Are we having some of our lives in shambles and some are following him closely? Right. Maybe in what we eat, we're like, I'm healthy eating, I'm good, I'm good to go. And then our finances are like, but maybe not really honoring him with those. Or our time management is great, 
but then we don't actually like take time to talk to people, right? And love others as um, Christ loved us. Are we honoring him as the one we follow or are we just following our flesh? I have an answer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so he's the son of David and he should be revered in our hearts. And that's how we grow as believers by following Christ, following close to Christ, abiding in him in that relationship. So we've seen these two big points today, right? Well, first of all, he was born in Bethlehem because he's a descendant of David, which makes him qualified to be the um, Lord. And then he's a descendant of Abraham because um, he's able to give us eternal life, that blessing to all the nations through that. So some questions we have for discussion questions we'll take about 10 minutes or so in, in these groups. Make your own groups of five or six people. And we're going to go over these. So in your Christian life, do you find it hard in some areas to make Christ the priority? Right? And... How can you take steps to change that? So I'm going to pray, and then you break off and circle up in uh, chairs and everything like that. Don't worry about messing up the rows. And um, we'll go over these things, just talk with you know people around you and stuff. And then um, after about 10 minutes, I'll close this in prayer to give anyone who needs to escape the chance to escape. All right. All right. Let's pray. God, uh, we thank you for who you are, for the fact that you're faithful and you cannot lie. Thank you for the fact that you promised eternal life to us if we place our faith in you.